the Sports Talk with Devin Wade recap. Any given Sunday, anything can happen. What we think so far. Lakers, were they oversold? Welcome to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade briefcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Briefcast 51 of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Briefcast, I want to come to you guys by myself without my special teams unit, but I will have a conversation with one of my special teams unit members, Eddie Robinson, a little bit later on. But I am so glad you have found us in 2020. It is our first episode of 2020, and I'm excited about that. And I hope you are as well. I'm not sure how you found us. There's several ways to find us, not least which is KTSUradio.com, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Spotify. Um, what else? What else? Everywhere else. Anywhere you get your podcast, you can find us. And there is a lot to talk about this time out. I have a number of features and a conversation with Eddie Robinson in the second half of the show. We uh, we will get into some headlines. In addition to that, we will do some uh, brand new. We have a couple other features we want to do. We the people, where we hear from you guys and uh, and some other stuff. Um, we, brand new I want to get into some of the stats from 2019. But before we do all of that, I want to remind you, you can go to the WadesWordProductions.com website. WadesWordProductions.com. W-A-D-E-S-W-O-R-D. WadesWordProductions.com. All one word. And uh, there you will find information on the Friday Express, on the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Uh, We will have polls, more polls and stuff coming up in the future and more interactive ways to get involved on the website, working on those things. But you can also subscribe and be a part of of our email list i will send out periodic email list a uh, periodic email to you guys so you can hear what we have going on maybe some remotes how you can get some swag whatever whatever we got going on i can hit you up directly so if you say man you know what i've been working hard i've been doing my thing ah man i'm I'm forgetting something and then you look up and you say well wait a minute let me check my email oh WadesWordProductions.com. Hey, we have to uh, get back on that Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. But again, thank you so much for a great 2019. Looking forward to a great 2020. We will continue to expand, do new things, and become as interactive as we can. So thank you so much for that. In addition to that, I want to remind you guys that you can follow me on social media at WadesWord on Twitter, WadesWord on Twitter. In addition to that, you can go to Facebook, the Sports Talk with Devin Wade page and group on Facebook. So all of those ways are ways that you can reach out on the uh, Sports Talk with Devin Wade group page. Post I uh, end up posting a lot of poll questions so you guys can get involved in the conversation that way so you can vote and make comments. But I really want you guys to interact and participate in the newest way we have for you to be interactive in that is by calling the Sports Talk with Devin Wade Sports Line. 24 hours a day, you can leave your opinion about any and everything in the world of sports. We will work those calls into podcasts, so that's very important. And the number is 832-941-6614. That's 832-941-6614. And we will hear from you. And you can be a part of the show. And pretty soon, I'm going to start to make it where if you participate, I will start to give out T-shirts. 
or something to encourage you guys to participate because there's so many of you guys who listen and you talk to the radio or to your smartphone or your devices when I am saying what I'm saying. You're like, no, I disagree or right on, whatever your, your take is. If you agree or disagree, you have something to say. Well, don't just say it to the air. Say it to us. We want to hear from you. Even if you disagree, I welcome all sorts of uh, just appropriate discourse. Let's just say that. All sorts of appropriate discourse. So with that, want to get into some headlines. And in headlines, it's all about wild card weekend in the NFL some surprising results, some, uh, some things transpired that were surprising, but none bigger than the end of the Tom Brady era in New England? Question mark. Is this the end? Is it over for New England and Tom Brady? Is it over for the dynasty? Is it over between the marriage? Uh, the, is the marriage between Belichick and Brady really over? It doesn't seem like Tom Brady is going to retire, but it does seem like he will probably move on from New England. Now, I have no indication of this, but it just doesn't. It felt like the end. It felt like a breakup on both sides. It just felt like this was the end of that run. And I tell you what, it's been horrible for New England all season long. Tom Brady has not played well. And I have had a couple of discussions. I First of all, I enjoyed proving to Kevin Allen that I am finally right. After 10 predictions that it was over for Tom Brady and the New England Patriots, I'm finally right. So far, the time again remains undefeated. So the next question is, how viable is Tom Brady moving forward? Now, that's an interesting discussion. But let's talk about the game itself. The hottest player in all of football is the Tennessee Titans running back Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry, what? He finished the regular season with over 200 yards rushing against the Texans. And, I mean, it was a worthless game for the Texans. Texans sort of held a bunch of people out. But still, he got it done to win the rushing title. Then you come back on the road in New England and you rush for 182 yards and a touchdown on 34 carries. Now, you talk about some throwback numbers. That's some old-school football, and you can't say enough about that offensive line and how they pushed uh, the New England Patriots around. But the the story continued to be throughout this season how the offense of the New England Patriots struggled and how the receivers struggled. And and, and see, if you want to say that, that Brady made chicken salad out of chicken, you know, whatever, before with receivers who were mostly no-name, with the exception, of course, you could say Edelman and you could say the tight ends, but the receiving core itself traditionally for New England has not been a top core in the NFL over this 20-year span. So, But if you want to give him credit for making those guys great or doing it with those guys, then you can't absolve him from blame when he doesn't do it with this set of no-name receivers. The receivers, I can tell you, they did not help him out. But that's not the whole story. The whole story is that he's a, what, 42-year-old guy. He's he's older. It's, it's towards the end. I don't think it's over for him, as I've had this discussion with former NFL guys. I don't think it's over for him. I think he has one more year. I think if he wants to, and he seems to want to play, but I don't know that Bill Belichick wants him back. Don't get a sense that this is what they want to happen. Robert Kraft, on the other hand, <laughs> this was interesting to me. He essentially says that he hopes and prays that Brady either returns to New England or doesn't play for anybody else. Now, what kind of stalker is that? <laughs> I mean, what? <laughs> I want you, and if, if you're not with me, I don't want you to be with anybody else. 
not the healthiest. And, and obviously, he says he's earned the right to do whatever he wants to do. But this is the end of that era. And when you look at a division where you have a young Sam Donald, not that he's a world beater. I know that sounds funny to say. But you have to say the Jets have a young quarterback that's decent, and they have Le'Veon Bell, maybe not for long. And then you have a young up-and-coming quarterback like a head coach, rather, uh, like Brian Flores in Miami. They're on the come. Maybe they can put some things together. Buffalo clearly is on the way up. They are a playoff team. Things are not going to get easier around the NFL. Can't And see, now you can get into the discussion of who is more valuable, Belichick, or Brady, Belichick or Brady, who's the, who's the more important guy in this equation? And we we will talk about that in coming weeks and months. I'm sure a lot to get into about that. But again, it is a crazy situation to see how this demise came overnight for that New England offense. It was the defense, really, for the most part. And I argued on the Houston show with the Silver Fox, Kevin Allen. I'm like, look, you're not paying attention. The defense is keeping this guy, these guys in games. And this team was down, what, 14-13 to the very end. And the last pass, trivia question, and I know you guys are watching, the last pass Tom Brady ever threw for the New England Patriots was a pick six to Logan Ryan of the Tennessee Titans in the playoffs to seal the deal and lose the game. So that happened, and uh, we'll get into some previews of the divisional round in the next episode. So we won't get into the prediction of Tennessee versus Baltimore. But now we can move on to the other matchup in the AFC, and that was the Houston Texans beating the Buffalo Bills. And I'm telling you what, man, Texans fans, I mean, they're breaking their arms, patting themselves on the back for doing exactly what they were supposed to do. This team, it took a Michael Jordan-like effort from from Deshaun Watson to save Bill O'Brien from losing to a rookie playoff quarterback. Josh Allen hadn't played a playoff game before, and it showed. Although his numbers are not horrible, he made some big mistakes, including down the stretch, the uh, the intentional grounding where he had the illegal touching because he threw the ball to offensive linemen, the attempted lateral, just not taking sacks when he could not, he should not have taken sacks, trying to do whatever he could to get away, get the ball away instead of taking some very crucial sacks. I mean, this was a game that nobody wanted to win. The Texans were scoreless in the first uh, half. DeAndre Hopkins had no receptions in the first half. And again, like I said, it took a Michael Jordan-like effort. Deshaun Watson had two or three plays in there that may be highlights if he ever makes it to the Hall of Fame. These will be the all-time Deshaun Watson highlights. The one pass, the one play where he got hit on both sides and he continued to, he completed the pass that essentially won the game for him. I'm telling you, man, this guy was phenomenal. And in the second half, especially. And I thought that Josh Allen, when they went in at the half, they looked, they didn't look like a team. They looked like they had already, they, they thought they had accomplished something already, which again, you had a whole nother half and they just didn't get it done in the second half. Watson for his part, 20 or 25, 247 yards and a touchdown. But that does not begin to describe what this guy did for that team. DeAndre Hopkins, six receptions for 90 yards, all in the second half. And J.J. Watt had a sack. And I want to get into the J.J. Watt thing. A couple things I want to get into about this. Now, the Texans did what they were supposed to do, okay? This was the 23rd ranked offense and scoring offense in the NFL. Buffalo is not a, a, a offensive juggernaut. 
This is a below average, well below average offensive football team. Yet, I have said this all season long, the Texans are deceptively ineffective on offense. You have a player like Deshaun Watson. You have a player like DeAndre Hopkins. Will Fuller, whenever he decides to show a poor fella can't stay healthy. Kenny Steers. You have guys, and, you know, you have Hyde in the backfield. You don't have, I mean, you won't have marquee running backs. But you have quality guys in a lot of different positions. And you and you have a, a, a all-pro caliber player in Larry Tunzo left tackle. So you have some guys, yet this team is surprisingly ineffective. They didn't score in the first half, and they ended up scoring, what, 22 points and winning in overtime. And they got it done, and you have to give them credit for getting it done. But let's not act like, oh, wow, they shook up the world. They didn't shake up the world. And another thing I want to say is this. This is not vindication for 1992. Stop it. Let's just stop saying this makes up for the Oilers losing in Buffalo. No, it doesn't. The Oilers were world. This this was a world championship team. You had nine Pro Bowlers on that team. You had guys. You had what three Hall of Famers so far? Three Hall of Fame: Moon, Munchak, and uh, Matthews on that team. You had guys like Sean Jones, Will Fuller. You had receivers like Haywood and Ernest Givens. Curtis Duncan, Webster Slaughter. I mean, you had guys. So that team was a team that was a legitimate Super Bowl contender. This version of the Texans, not the Oilers, is lucky to be playing in another week. And I think they came out with the odds. And, and this is the they have the the lowest odds to win the Super Bowl of any team remaining in the playoffs. And that's with including Tennessee. So. <laughs> I mean, so they, they did what they were supposed to do, and, and I want to give them credit for that. They didn't act like they didn't want to win the game. You, you'd go forward in a situation where you could have punted or kicked the field goal and, if you don't, and, and pin them deep, and instead you left them. You didn't convert. Now, I will say this. I was not as upset about them going forward on the fourth and one at the end of the game as, as some people. And, and it, it's – not the the conventional move would be to pun it, pin it, pin them down, and make this ineffective offense go at least seventy yards, sixty, seventy yards. If you pin them deep and try to get in the field goal range, but if you can't get a yard, do you really deserve to win in the playoffs? A yard. Now again, I, I'm not as mad about that, but so many other things took place. It was just, it was just neither team in Buffalo. The the stuff that they did, the the, the crackback block that really eliminated them from field goal range and the, the uh, like I said, the intentional grinding. This team was not ready for prime time and not ready for playoffs. Now, that being said, moving forward, this team will be. Let's not get this confused for the 92 Oilers that lost to Buffalo after having a 35-3 to uh, lead. So I know it hurts. Look, if you were there, if you were a native Houstonian, I was there. Friends on the team. I was there, and it hurt, and it still hurts. It will never get totally better because the Houston Oilers will never win the Super Bowl. Now, if the Texans go on to win a Super Bowl, that's great for 
I, this generation, but for those of us who were there, and lifelong Oilers fans, Earl Campbell and, and Elvin Bethay and Carl Mark and Kenny Stabler and, and you know, and uh, Dan Pastorini before that. I mean, Dante Pastorini, Double Zero, Kenny Burrows. So if you were a fan of the the Columbia Blue, nothing will make up for that loss. Now, of course, I'm a native Houstonian, so I want my team to win. I just don't think that they have the goods. I don't think they have the goods in the coaching department. So that being said, the other thing that drove me crazy, and I want to make sure I say this, every time Deshaun Watson made a play, ESPN did a tight shot of J.J. Watt. What in the hell are you all doing? Don't make me hate J.J. Watt. J.J. Watt is a uh, he is a Houston proud guy. He, of course, he does a tremendous amount of charity for charity. He's done a tremendous amount for the city of Houston. If you don't believe me, just look at social media anywhere. He, it's all over the place. So he does great stuff. A genuine good guy. Genuine good player. Legit. Sometimes these guys get credit and they're not the player that the media projects them to be. But J.J. Watt is. He's the real deal. Yet, you want to make your storylines about J.J. Watt and really kind of, dis- even after in the postgame, ESPN's first interviews with J.J. Watt. J.J. Watt coming back off injury, and that was great. Tremendous. He was supposed to be done for the year. He probably shouldn't be out there now. And I'm, that's amazing that he's out there. But the story is Deshaun Watson. Stop doing that, ESPN. Moving forward, please don't do this. Please don't make me hate J.J. Watt because you guys want to make him the bell of the ball. He had a sack. He had a tackle for loss. By and large, he he wasn't the difference maker. The sack came on a play in which they probably wouldn't have converted anyway, and they settled for the field goal. People want to say, well, that was the turning point. The turning point was Deshaun Watson getting it done. The turning point was DeAndre Hopkins getting going. So let's let's stop with that. Don't make me hate J.J. Watt. So let's go to the NFC uh, real quick. Let's look at the uh, Seattle Seahawks winning on the road at Philadelphia. Carson Wentz didn't stay, uh, didn't stay in the game, got knocked out of the game. That was not his fault. That's not because he's just a guy who just he just can't he's too fragile for the NFL. That was just a bad situation. Clowning landed on him. I didn't think it was a dirty play. It was a play that in today's NFL is going to get you in some trouble more times than not. It'll get you fined and it'll get you suspended. But it was just a football play. He didn't look. If you want to know how to slide, just look at Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson will take one step and slide. I mean, this dude is magical with his sliding. And of course, he played baseball, but this dude gets down well. He will not get the extra yard. He doesn't want the extra yard because he knows I need to live to fight another day. Carson Wentz, after not having a playoff win, didn't have one this time. And so it's unfortunate for him. It's bad luck for him and a bad situation for them. But. You know, at the end of the day, he'll have more chances, and you can leave it to the Philly fans to debate about whether, oh, should they have kept Nick Foles for situations like this or really made a more legitimate attempt to solidify the the second-string quarterback. I, I don't know. I don't. I, the backup quarterback position went to a 40-year-old, and he had a moment, and then he didn't have a lot of moments. But I think that – that team has been built, beat up all year long, and I give them credit just for getting there. You have to give the Philadelphia Eagles credit for getting there 
because uh, they had all the odds stacked against. I mean, look at the receiving core, just so depleted. Big shout out to Greg Ward Jr. Uh, hashtag Go Cougs. He's a Houston Cougar, converted quarterback. He hung in there. Zach Ertz came back to play. He, he's he been uh, banged up really bad. Goddard is a guy I like. I mean, I just thought that team was courageous and able in, in winning this sort of horrible NFC East division that the Cowboys had on a platter and couldn't convert and couldn't uh, get the job done. And I thought Wentz down the stretch played really, really well. Unfortunately, he got hurt. I don't know that it ultimately would have made a difference. I think, uh, you know, D, uh, DK Metcalf was great. He did a phenomenal job. And I, I just thought that, man, Seattle is a team. Could this team win three road games to get to the Super Bowl? I think they can. Worry about the fact that they can't run a lot. But we'll have to see because Beast Mode, they said about Marshawn Lynch will play more in the upcoming game, but we'll talk about that more when we predict these games in the upcoming episodes uh, of the podcast. And finally, in the NFC playoffs on uh, Wildcard Weekend, uh, like the Saints go down, the Saints lose. We'll have a long, intense discussion about the Saints coming up with our own Eddie Robinson of the Special Teams Unit. We will chop it up all about the Saints. He's a season ticket holder. He's a New Orleanian, and that's his hometown. So we'll get into uh, that matchup. But by and large, uh, you know, they had a tough road to the Super Bowl. Just as tough, just as tough as is potentially the Seattle Seahawks. And I just think away from the dome, they didn't get the run production uh, that they got last year. I think they miss uh, Mark Ingram. Although Latavius Murray as the backup played well, I just thought Alvin Kamara didn't have the same kind of year. It showed that they brought Antonio Brown in right before the playoffs, you know, right before the end of the regular season to take a look at having a second receiver. I think they have to get strong at the second receiver position. I think Drew Brees clearly has more in the tank than Tom Brady does. And we'll have to see moving forward what happens with him. He also is a free agent. So we'll get into some Saints talk. If you want to hear about the Saints, we will talk a lot about the Saints uh, coming up in the second half of this show. Also, let's look at the other things in the headlines. Coaches from around the NFL get hired. And, uh, hey, we have all but one coaching vacancy field. And Jason Geary did finally get fired after he kind of hung in there for a while. He was on life support. He didn't, he didn't want to go. They didn't want – I mean, he just – he held on for dear life, and finally they did pull the trigger and fire him like many thought that they would. But the uh, the deal with this is the Dallas Cowboys – and this, this is what's funny about that situation. You know, the big storyline after Brady lost was, okay, well, what's going to happen – to Brady. What's going to happen? Is he coming back? Is he done? What's going to happen with Brady? That was the the big story. But the biggest story heading into this offseason since about week, uh, what, 15, was who's going to be the next, and probably since week eight, who's going to be the, the next Dallas Cowboys head coach? Lincoln Riley, Urban Meyer, who's it going to be? Who's it going to be? And the brand new coach for your Dallas Cowboys is... Mike McCarthy. 
so, so a team that, that keeps you excited, that that keeps you anticipating and, and has captivated the American audience for better or worse, either you love them or you hate them. This is a very beige hire, just very neutral kind of Mike McCarthy is a solid hire. Nobody's I don't think is overly excited. There will be no pep rallies for Mike McCarthy. But at the same time, you did not a laughing stop for hiring Mike McCarthy either. So all the excitement and all the anticipation of people, what's going to happen with Dallas? Oh, what's going to happen? Nothing. The other thing is that a lot of black coaches did not get no new black coaches uh, have been hired. Only four minority coaches in the NFL. Ron Rivera is the only minority that got hired. Of course, he is the brand new coach in Washington. A unknown was hired in New York and that's discouraging. Somebody else offered a Belichick tree and the situation is Nobody off the Belichick tree is really raised hell, really. I mean, when you think about Cornell and the guy, Weiss, remember Weiss? McDaniel was a uh, failure when he first went out. Uh, like I said, no, I mean, Cornell, I guess, was about the best. I don't know. Flores got a win, and Bill O'Brien is is sausage. <laughs> he's, he's, he's a sausage back. He's not, you know, no great shakes. He's okay. People around the country seem to like it more than we do here in Houston. But, I mean, the Belichick tree is not – he's not magical. He is. (laughs) What he does for his team is, but, no, it doesn't rub off. I wonder wonder what kind of love Vince Lombardi's assistants would have gotten these days. I mean, he could have got all of them paid. But he got another one paid. The special teams coach. You hired the special teams coach. In New York, the special teams coach. This, this is what we're doing. Not Eric B. Enemy. Not Leslie Frazier. Not Marv Lewis. The special teams coach. And I want to talk more about the Fritz, Fritz uh, Pollard uh, alliance and uh, uh, the, the Fritz Pollard rule, the Rooney rule, rather, where the African-American head coaches, uh, are, are a minority, an ethnic minority coach is guaranteed an interview for a job, the Cowboys uh, sent Marv Lewis through the paces when they probably knew all along it would be Mike McCarthy, but it is what it is. I, and I want to say this: I'm not here for all this Marvin Lewis slander. Now, this guy does not get nearly enough credit. You think about this. Let me name some coaches that I can remember from, and and I know I can't remember many of them, but Bruce Coslett. Um, Forrest Gregg, um, I don't know even, I mean, I would have to look at the list, but, but they have not had a lot of success. Sam, uh, Sam Weiss, who passed away recently, rest in peace, Sam Weiss, but they've not had a lot of success. That organization does not like to spend money. They, they are not a first-class organization in that way. They are very tight belt. Uh, they uh, they don't spend a lot of extra money, and this guy came in and gave that organization credibility when they were a laughing stock. Nobody wanted to be there. They drafted David Klingler and Achilles Smith. David Klingler, by the way, had he been with a different organization, would have had a different result. Achilles Smith, other guys just went and just went to the football abyss in Cincinnati, and this guy turned that thing around. 
and went to the playoffs with some, you know, with some quarterbacks that probably would not have gone to the playoffs on other teams. So give Marv Lewis his love and give him his credit. I want to see him get back in the league as a head coach. I want to see Leslie Frazier hire Eric Bieniemy, who if he can go on and get to the Super Bowl, will have done some very special things. And I think that next offseason he will be the hottest commodity. So right now – it's it's Anthony Lynn in Los Angeles. It is Ron Rivera. It is Brian Flores and Mike Tomlin. Those are your minority coaches in the NFL right now. We have to do better in the NFL. We have to have more black coaches hired, more minority coaches hired, and, and that we just have to that's, that we just have to get that done. So uh, with that, that'll sort of wrap things up for headlines. I want to get into a segment that we call "We the People." The We The People segment is when I come to you guys and I usually ask you questions on the website or on the Sports Talk with Devin Wade Facebook page. And, of course, I hear from you on the Sports Talk with Devin Wade sports line. And, again, you can call 24 hours a day, 832-941-6614. That's 832-941-6614. Six six one four, and you can leave your opinion on anything twenty four hours a day. Now let's look at what I asked last time before the playoffs started. See, let's just see how good we are as a community, as a sports talk community, in predicting games. Ninety two percent of you guys said the Seahawks would win. You were dead on about that. Sixty four percent, sixty four percent of you all said that the Titans would beat the Patriots. Wow. That was a shocker. I mean, we we seem to be in the know there. Now, this is where we went. We took a a bad left turn. Uh, 92% said the Saints would win, and, of course, they lost. And 78% of you all said that the Texans would win. Then I asked you guys about pass interference uh, in that Saints game. And again, Eddie Robinson and I will talk a lot about the pass interference call in the second half of the show. But I asked you guys about it, and the majority of you, 63% of you, said no, it was not pass interference. But we got a a vote for uh, you cannot call that at that point of the game. And I've gone so back and forth on this. By the letter of the law, the guy did push off, and I think they should have called it. There was a lot of hand fighting before that, and it's always a lot of hand fighting, and that's generally accepted. But the more I think about this, I think you make that call. And I think it served the NFL right. And again, this is not nearly as egregious as last year, but I think they didn't make the call, and I'm not terribly upset about it i think the league would have been better served to make that call uh it was remain third down that way minnesota even if they don't convert there they have an opportunity to take the lead on a field goal new orleans will get the ball back and then you take it from there now and again a lot of this i have to really kind of question myself how much is this related to the fact that new orleans got screwed over last year I I don't know. It just seems like you could have kicked the can down the road a little bit further in that game, and you wouldn't have been wrong. 
you and a lot of people, uh, Otis Granville checked and he said, if you're going to call OPI first, you got to call defensive pass interference. Well, again, the hand fighting is generally accepted, especially in goal line situations. The full extension and the push off of the smaller guy. That and then the, the, here's the kicker. Okay, so if you don't call it in real time, that's fine. But you cannot legitimately say you have a a review policy for pass interference, and you just won't even really look at it. You won't really correct what you see with your own two eyes. Is a clear extension and pass interference. Now, again, I'm not terribly upset that they didn't call it. But had they called it, I don't. I wouldn't have been upset. I wouldn't have been upset had they called it. And again, I thought that, you know, I really thought that they would kick the can down the road in that game. Let's uh, see. Uh, let's check the phone lines and see what a caller had to say on the subject. Hey, Devin. Elwin Henderson. Uh, in regard to your question about the Kyle Rudolph, should it have been offensive pass interference? I don't think so, personally. Uh, you know, the bottom line there was some defensive tugging before Rudolph pushed off. I think that's just part of the action of the play. I personally didn't think it was anything flagrant. And I think the majority of the people that are NFL fans would have been infuriated if they had taken that call back and it ended up costing the Vikings and they lost the game because of that call. Uh, There's a fine line there, as we all know. But I didn't feel like Rudolph made enough of a move separation-wise that it should have been a penalty. I think it was a good no call. Thanks, Elwin, for calling. And you know what? I'm I'm not mad at you. I don't. I can't really strongly disagree. Except I don't know that people will be. It would have been infuriated, especially if you don't know how the game will pan out. Say if the Minnesota converts on the field goal after the penalty, and they still win the game. I don't think as many people are as infuriated. But then, you know, I don't see a lot of people, this this huge uproar outside of maybe New Orleans uh, for the no call. So I think it's one of these things is so it's just so subjective. You just don't know what the NFL is doing. There's no and because, again, if you clearly define what pass interference is, the extension that. That is it, especially with a a smaller guy. Now, it's not his fault he's smaller, and it's not Rudolph's fault that he's smaller, but the full extension of the arm does, by the letter of the law, constitute a pass interference. I know you could talk about the hand fighting uh, beforehand, but the hand fighting, uh, again, as I said before, it's generally accepted in the NFL that these guys can have some hand fighting. They kind of anticipate that. They don't give the DBs a lot of room anymore. They do allow some hand fighting. And again, I'm sure it depends on the officials, how much they let that go, and maybe even sometimes the situation. I can see where you don't make that call at that situation because you don't want the referees to interfere with the game but at the same time man just lightning striking twice in the superdome even if it's not to the same extent so maybe let's say if last year was a a earthquake in the superdome this was a uh, aftershock and i don't and 
I don't know. We'll talk to Eddie Robinson more about this in the second half, get his thoughts on that. In addition to that, we have a segment called Brand New. And, of course, we have the Lamont Award. All that's coming up in the second half. But first, I want to hear from – you're going to give you an opportunity to hear from our sponsor, CoBank Homes, my man Kofi Bankers, and a new artist that – I well, new to me. Uh, I'm sure she's doing a thing, Katie G. And uh, she's Ghanaian. We'll hear a little bit from her and a whole lot more. This is Briefcast 51, the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast on iTunes, TuneIn, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast, and KTSURadio.com. Sports Talk with Devin Wade wants to thank our sponsor, Kofi Bankus and CoBank Homes. The vision at CoBank Homes is simple, and it stems from the belief that clients can trust CoBank to guide them to realize one of, if not the single largest investment decision they will ever make, their home. CoBank simply looks to build lifelong relationships through service. They do this by using faith, knowledge, and technology to guide clients through the process of achieving their real estate goals. Be it buying, selling, or investing in real estate, contact Kofi at 832-757-7950. That's 832-757-7950. CoBank Homes through Keller Williams. Briefcast 51 of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Music from Katie G. And, of course, we'll hear the remainder of that track at the end of this podcast. And I'll, uh, on the, the on my Facebook post or on the website, somewhere I will have a link to her stuff so you can check her out. And a reminder, if you want to have your music heard, it does not matter the genre. It doesn't matter if you're a DJ and you have a mix for us. If It doesn't matter if you're a country artist, if you are or opera singer, whatever you do, whatever the music, we can expose you to the thousands and thousands of folks who listen to the podcast, and maybe you can pick up a new fan or two. And you can do that by emailing music at wadeswordproductions.com. That's music at wadeswordproductions.com. The only requirement is that it is radio friendly, and, and radio edits are what we want to do. We want to remain as close to family friendly as we can, although you know, we slip up here and there. And uh, the name of that song was Watamoka. Uh, Watu- I said, I, I mean, I practiced it. I practiced it and I still couldn't get it right. Watimokama. Koma. Watimokoma. She is from Ghana. Well, she her family's from Ghana, is what I understand, in that she is from here, but her family's from Ghana. So, And she's very popular. So I will look up and do more research on her, but I want to thank Kalina for turning me on to her and uh, check out Katie G. 
She is, uh, yeah, she's doing her thing. I like that. And you'll hear the remainder of the track at the end of the show. With that, it's time for a segment that we call uh, and find out what's brand new. Brand new, brand new, brand new. Brand new is when uh, we go into what's brand new in my life. Not necessarily sports related, but just stuff about me, about what's going on with me. Couple things. And as we try to avert World War III here, I won't even get into it. Because I'll, I'll go for 40 minutes just on that. I won't do that. But it is the first show of 2020. And it gives me an opportunity to review what we did in 2019. In 2019, we did 50 shows. We had 42 hours and 25 minutes of programming. We had over a dozen guests. We had a number of DJs and musicians throughout the year. We've had, uh, like I said, 42 hours of programming. We implemented the phone calls for the first time. So that's happened. And also some of the stuff that got mentioned, you wouldn't believe some of the stuff that got mentioned in 2019 on the podcast. Cardi B, Jackfruit, Trina, the baddest... You know who she is. <laughs> the United States Senate, Trump a bunch of times, hymns, <laughs> Jigga, Jay-Z. I mean, so many things that we've talked about that had nothing to do necessarily with sports, but it worked. They, For whatever reason, it worked its way into our podcast. So, hey, man, it, it was a fun, fun year. We want 20. And actually, in 2018, we did more hours of programming. We did fewer shows. But we did longer shows. But this time, because we did a lot of brief briefcasts, which we'll be doing full-fledged episodes coming up. But because we did a lot of briefcasts, those tended to be shorter, especially early on when we were figuring this thing out. Uh, and so we didn't have as many hours, but over 42 hours of programming. So it would take you that long if you just sat down and said, I'm going to listen to everything he did in 2019. And, and again, some of you guys did that. Throughout, I mean, one way or another, maybe just in the car, jogging or whatever, you listen to the majority of the 42 hours of programming. We look forward to bringing you more shows. I want to do I want to do more shows. I want to do more shows. Maybe a hundred four shows is my goal. Now, that's a tall task. If I'm doing 104 shows, we have grown a lot. And this has become much more financially viable if I'm doing 100 shows this year. But that's the goal. hundred. I would love to come to you guys daily. I actually would love to come to you guys daily. And maybe just maybe we'll work on that. But as promised, we still have the Lamont Award coming up. But as promised, our conversation with one of our guys from the special teams unit, a frequent co-host. He's a part of the team he's one of ours he's not even a i won't even call him a guest he's not a guest he's our guy he's he's one of us he he's he's the, a building block in this thing eddie robinson former nfl linebacker former oiler first former oiler first he'll save hornet alabama state hornet uh but he is a uh, new orleanian and uh, play for the oilers the jacksonville jaguars buffalo bills and uh, Tennessee Titans. I always forget the Titans because uh, dog time. He when he talks about the Titans, he gets he's excited about the Titans. They went to the Super Bowl. He went to the Super Bowl. By that time, nah, I was there in Atlanta. Ugh, didn't no, didn't no no no, didn't make the switch. Didn't 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 jump over to the Titans. But you know, I knew a lot of the guys on the team. But I was I was, we were in that 
sort of that purgatory where the Houston market did not have a pro football team. But he loves that era. I mean, that was the majority of his career. And uh, we talked to him about his beloved New Orleans Saints. Here's Eddie Robinson. As promised, joined now by uh, one of the special teams unit members, our guy. Hey, I mean, everybody's All-American. Eddie Robinson in the building. Happy New Year. I know it didn't get off to a great start as uh, as a football fan, but happy new year nonetheless. Yeah, it's always uh, good to see another another year and another decade. And you trying to you trying to refer to my Saints. We didn't get it done against the Vikings, but you know you go thirteen and three, you don't get the bye. Couldn't win at home, but uh, hey, as a Saints fan, we got fifty one days till Mardi Gras. It'll be all right. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what, man? The thing is, so, and I don't know if it's just regional because we down here, well, we here in Houston have a lot of New Orleanians uh, in the city, but it seems like a lot of people around the country root for the Saints, whereas you have the Patriots where only, only people in that particular area root for them. Right. It, it seems like, I won't go as far as to say that New Orleans is America's team, but there are a lot now, of you people. Can, you can go ahead. You can go ahead and say it. Go ahead and say it. <laughs> Well, a lot of people around the country root for the Saints, and, and uh, Drew Brees in particular. You guys had things going your way. You kind of stumbled down the stretch. You didn't get the one or two seed. You didn't get the bye week, and still you would have had to go on the road, which would have made things tough. I said that before the playoffs started, but you thought that with Kirk Cousins never really winning a big game, that the Saints sort of had uh, had the advantage and, and the leg up to win that game on Sunday. What what happened in particular on Sunday? I just I just think that the Vikings had the great pass rush. The young guys they had. I mean, the Saints had the whole offensive line back. Uh, Warford was back, so we just couldn't get it done blocking for Drew Brees. And I and I think uh, you know, like most quarterbacks, you get pressure on the quarterback. You know, your future Hall of Famer and all. But if you if you're uncomfortable and you can't get your timing and you can't get settled. And, you know, most of the Saints throws are quick passes, timing routes underneath. But even with that, even with the quick passes, I mean, those guys are just winning on the first move. So by the time Drew you know, got to his fifth step, it's a person with pressure in his face. And I think that just that just detailed, you know, the whole game. And, and we just could not consistently block for the quarterback. Rare fumble by uh, Drew Brees. Do you think that had anything to do with the thumb injury? Because it seemed nah, like. No, nah, I don't think so. Okay. I, I think that was just, I think Drew will step up and say, hey, that was just an error on his part. Because on that drive, you were in the red zone. And that would have been, you know, you'd have had time to continue and try to score. And that would have been a go-ahead touchdown. So it was first down. They just had a big play. And uh, I think Taysom Hill had just had the big run. So on, on that play, on first down, granted, the, the pass rush got there on the first move and the guy was coming clean. But even if you have to take the sack, you know, you would like to throw it away. Worst thing there, you just protect the football, take the sack. And, you know, you're sitting at a seven and 20, second and 20, but you're still in field goal range. But, you know, you got to have, you know, protection of the, of the football. And, uh, I mean, the guy was coming up uh, on the edge and he was in Drew's face. It's not like it was a blindside hit where he couldn't see him. So I think that one was on Drew. Uh, you know, of course, they came back to tie the football game, but it didn't work out. Playoff, you know, there's always good teams in the playoffs. You know, I feel like uh, the old cliche, we were the better team. But the great thing about playoff football is you really don't have to be the better team. You just have to be the better team that day. Like, I've walked off plenty of games where I'm like, man, I'm glad we ain't got to play them tomorrow because they'll beat us by 20. But, you know, we just had a good day. 
and we was able to win the football game. And you have to tip your hat to the Vikings, and uh, they did a good job. Now, uh, I mean, go back to the Kyle Rudolph play in the end zone. Is that a, a offensive pass interference? Do you not call it in that yeah, situation? But, what do nah, you? you gotta you gotta call. I think it, it was a couple plays, and I you know guess being the Saints fans, the one where Kamara got hit on the sideline, it was clear helmet to helmet contact, and. And the problem that fans have, and I think I'm sure the players and coaches have the same frustration, is that certain times of the year you get the ticky-tack call, and I've seen some offensive pass interference plays called on on Mike and Mike Thomas, and then you come back and you get one where the guy has a, a full extension Michael Irvin push-off, and then it's not even <laughs> it's not a flag. And so at that point, you're kind of like it, it, it's consistency because if you know – how the game's going to be called, then you can play within those rules. And I think, you know, for that not to be reviewed, and of course afterwards the, the NFL said, yeah, well, we did take a look at it real quick, and we and we, it was nothing that we even had to look at a second time. So even if they would have looked at it and not agree that it was pass interference, it was obvious that it was something that should have been looked at. So there's no way you can say, uh, I mean, it was clear with the, with the letter of the rule what it should be, but you know, I think in, you know, we all coach little league sports in, in high school, college, professional. You know, you always tell kids and adults that if you put it in the referee's hand and it may not go your way. So I, I think, you know, with the Saints, especially from last year, then you, you had to play that game and, and not get it into the overtime. It was so many mistakes and penalties and stuff that got into that situation. Missed field goal. Yeah, the missed field goal, you know, Kamara with the – the 10-second runoff, which I thought, you know, the coach should have took the the penalty. He should have took the timeout because if you lost the timeout, you still had 21 seconds. You were already right. in field goal that, range. Yeah, that seemed and, like, yeah. Yeah, and with 21 seconds, then you can take two shots at the end zone and, you know, and, and maybe you score a touchdown and you don't even go to overtime. So I, I didn't think Sean Payton had his best game either. Like there were two minutes and 35 seconds or 40 seconds left in the play clock and regulation. And, you know, he didn't take the timeout. He let it run down to the two-minute warning. So, I mean, you take the timeout because that's an extra 40 seconds. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, I just, it was it was numerous things where, you know, the coach had, you know, and Sean Payton, you know, he's the gambler. So, he he takes chances in the playoffs. And, you know, sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. But, you know, those clock management issues are huge. And that penalty that Kamara had was a huge penalty because, you know, you have to get set. I mean, it's just – you, you can't even and with Drew, even if it takes one more second, you know, you have to you make sure that you get that done. But, you know, it's part of football. It's not a perfect sport. So they had their chances. And, and I, I mean, but you go 13 and three. That's still a great season. Not too many teams won has ever won 13 games. So to win 13 games, you just hate that it ends uh, on the first round playoff loss. Do you think and then you played in the league, you, I mean, many, many years you've been around the league, you're a season ticket holder, uh, which is rare, I think, for a lot of uh, former players. A lot of players, <laughs> they're so bitter when they leave the game. They're like, I don't even yeah. care. Yeah. But, but I'm saying you've been around again. What's your take on the relationship between, say, the league office and the New Orleans Saints organization? Because they have gotten in on the short end of the stick. When you go back to the Sean Payton, the bounty situation where uh, he was suspended for the year. And, right, and then you, right. you look at what happened last year and you look at what happened this year. You, I mean, it used to happen to the Oakland Raiders. Now it's happening happening to the uh, New Orleans Saints. What's your take on the relationship? Is it is it just bad, a bad coincidence or is it something? Yeah, you would, 
you would have you would like to think it's a coincidence. You know, they say it takes what two or three people to make it a a, a conspiracy. So, I mean, I, I think uh, you know when I played, I had a lot of guys like, oh man, Eddie, these these games have to be fixed. And I say, hey man, if they're fixed, I don't know about them. So right. Well, but, I don't think that they're necessarily fixed, but it just it seems like man, these guys just can't. They can't get a break. And like I said, I, I go back and forth with, I mean, obviously we know it's for pass interference, but do you make that call at that point of the game? And I look at it, okay, say if you do make that call, then all of a sudden Minnesota probably doesn't convert on third down and they'll take a field goal and then at least well, that, New Orleans. That was, that was third down. So it would have been a fourth down and they'd have to make a decision of do well, you go well, for no, the win. They would have lost oh. the yardage, so that would have remained third down on an offensive pass interference. You, you see yeah, what I'm yeah, so then on third down, yeah. Now, they could have scored on the next play. You never know. So, But as a Saints fan, you say, well, let's let's play that next play and see what happens. Right, because yeah. now you're 10 yards further back, and then mm-hmm. say you don't convert, and it, at the very least you kick the can down the road. And I thought because of all the things that happened in New Orleans, what happened with New Orleans last year, that they may very well just kick the can down the road and, and see what happened, but they didn't even take a chance. And so, I, you know, I go back and forth with it. I could see not making that call in that situation, but it just is so unfortunate that New nah, Orleans well, is the victim in that situation. Yeah, not, and I can't really – I can't say that because if it would have been a closer call where he didn't fully extend – and in the in the cornerback head didn't go back. I mean, it was an offensive pass interference. There's no, if you look at any rule, you can look at right. all of the offensive. Right. If you look at every offensive pass interference that was called this year, I'm sure this is, would have been one of the most obvious ones. There was one that was called on Mike Thomas where he just did a swim move, and everybody was like, I think it was against San Francisco, and everybody, oh man, that's a horrible call. So they've been calling the offensive pass interference a whole lot more this year. And so to not call that one, you know, is it was is a pretty obvious, you know, call. And so you can't say, well, it's a big play in the game, you can't call it. Well, that's exactly why you have to call it because it's a big play in the game, you know. If you the rules are the rules, it's like you can you can let a holding go if it's not in the, the vicinity of the play. But I think, you know, that that call didn't kill me. The one with the Rams probably kill me more than anyone because anything because with that one you had two people who were sitting there watching it and neither person threw the flag and so to me when you get two people i'm thinking conspiracy like (laughs) one of them was about to throw the flag the other one told them no don't throw it and to me if you throw the flag you can always come together talk it over did anybody else see anything and then you could wave the flag off but if you don't throw the flag you don't even have a chance to talk about it you know so the the one with the Rams was like the dagger. And then that was I mean, this loss, I was like, eh, all right, let's get to Mardi Gras. Because you still had two more road games to get to the Super Bowl. Yeah. The one I with the Rams. Think, yeah, I didn't think the that- one with the Rams is like you get the penalty, you kick the field goal, you're in the Super Bowl. It's it's like bam, bam, bam. You know what I'm saying? Right. You you walking out the, the Superdome second line and under the bridge. So it, it's like that was the one that still hurts, you know. Now, do you you sort of? I mean, thirteen and three, and you sort of say, okay, great year, we'll we'll get them next year. But do you get them next year with Drew Brees? Uh, I mean, is it a a foregone conclusion that uh, Drew Brees returns? In your opinion, I mean, I yeah, I, I, don't I, see, don't, I don't see. I mean, Drew is such a part in the world, and the fans love him. I think, I think everybody realizes that he's not the old Drew Brees, but he's better than a whole lot of other quarterbacks. 
So I think the fans are always going to give Drew, you know, walking out the Superdome, man, man, Drew didn't have his best day. Drew didn't have his best day. They should have blocked for him better. But I don't think it was a – nobody was saying, man, Drew was horrible. Get rid of him. I mean, he's he's done so much that I think people will always – let him stay a little later. I didn't, we were talking earlier. I think it's just a matter of Tom Brady and Drew Brees having a personal pissing contest to figure out who's going to be the all-time touchdown leader. And I think neither one of them wants to retire first. They ought to just get together and say, all right, guy, look, man, this is your last year, my last year. Let's duel it out. Whoever throws the most touchdowns this year has the records. Because, I mean, who's going to break that record? You know, right. Mahomes, maybe he'll break it in 10 years, you know, but – well, yeah, the game is to going not, to seven on seven, so yeah, that those yeah, records I mean, could he, but come he has to, But still, that's a lot of touchdowns. He has to not get hurt. He has to be consistent. You know, there's so many things that can – you can't just assume in, that the guy's going to be good for 10 years straight, you know. To, it, every if, if you had to bet on it, you would say he probably would. But my point is those two guys need to get together and say, hey, this is our last year. The best man wins. If he gets the record, blah, 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 let's move on. As much as I love Drew, I mean, I really like Taysom Hill, and I'm I'm excited about him being the next quarterback, especially with all of the RPO and quarterbacks running the football and and the things that he can do besides throwing. And I think he's a high IQ guy who can do so many different things well that I just it just to me it just opens up a whole nother set of plays for Sean Payton, who I still regard as you know a really good play caller and game plan. Well, and and I think we sort of disagree about what he could be. Um, but that's a conversation for another day. Two more things about the Saints, and then I want to ask you about the Texans. When you uh, talk about down the stretch, they brought in Antonio Brown, and, and they really looked – I guess they felt like they needed that second receiver. Uh, what's what, what, what would that have looked like? Would that have worked for them? And if not, should they have done, made a move to get a second uh, receiver down the stretch? Uh, because Michael Thomas is clearly the best receiver in the NFL this year, and he just didn't have anybody kind of step up on the other side. Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, you definitely need to get that second guy. Um, you know, the other little guy, Dante, he's he's coming along. Um, Gin uh, is old but fast. You know. Yeah, Gin, Gin is definitely not a second receiver. I mean, he's he's not going to fight for any football. I mean, he's going to catch the ones he's supposed to catch. Um, but still a complimentary receiver. But, I mean, I don't know. Do you go offense in the draft and, and get you – try to get you – I mean, they really need – Ever since Jimmy Graham left and Coaston retired, they just haven't had that. You know, Drew Brees is a short quarterback, and he loves to throw the seam route. Jared Cook kind of stepped up this year, but they haven't had that big, tall guy, whether it's a receiver or a tight end, who can go down the middle of the field and run the seam route. Now, Drew can't throw that route as good as he used to because I don't think he has the, you know, that that deep arm strength like that. But it's a timing route, and we and you really miss that tall guy because Drew's passes usually stay high, and he's a shorter guy he has to throw over the offensive line. So I think it's time that they, you know, they they pulled they got a Brandon Cooks who just he didn't fit. You know, he's a deep ball guy, short guy, just totally didn't fit for the type of receiver that Drew Brees needs. You know, you look at the guys that he has a lot of success with, you know, Devery Henderson, you know, Colston, Jimmy Graham, they're all tall guys, you know, so right. he hasn't had a lot of success with the small guys, you know, Mike Thomas. So, I mean, yeah, I think it's definitely time, whether it's free agency or however, to get another big time receiver to, you know, because at some point, 
Yeah, I don't think Michael Thomas is going to catch as good as he is 160 passes next year. I mean, oh, these yeah, coordinators no are going to say, hey, let's take him out the game plan and see who else they have. You know, So you better have that next guy next year because they're going to figure that out. So, And my final Saints question, you start to think about legacy after all of this success and what the, this wonderful run this team has had. Only one Super Bowl win – when do you start to examine the the legacy of a of a? Because I think Drew needs that almost like Peyton. You need that second Super Bowl. Yeah, uh, just a little yeah, yeah, I mean, because again, I think he gets overlooked when you talk about the greatest quarterbacks ever. We saw that with the little NFL list that they just had. So, when do you start to think about the legacy of of a Sean Payton and and a Drew Brees in in that light? Well, I mean, it, it, it's been a great era. I mean, it, it all started when they drafted Reggie Bush, to be honest with you. It's yeah. like once yeah. they drafted Reggie Bush, I mean, the Superdome sold out. The excitement was so high. Thank you, Houston, for not drafting him. Y'all took Mario <laughs> instead. Appreciate that. But <laughs> but uh, once they drafted Reggie Bush, and of course, I mean, Reggie Bush didn't have a Hall of Fame career, but he – he was the guy that really lit the match to make everybody say, man, we can do it. You know, this is us. And then they, you know, they went to Chicago and lost in the playoffs that year and then came back and you know, a couple of years later, 2009 won the championship. But yeah, it's been 10 years and, and it's been real close, big time playoff losses, last second of the game, you know, the beast mode run with Seattle, the, the play in San Francisco with the tight end going down the sideline. I mean, I could, I could go through all the, Heartbreaking, you know the 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 digs catch with Minnesota, you know right. so Minneapolis, the Rams, yeah. yeah, it's just been it's just been heartbreak after heartbreak, but at the same time, yeah, I think Drew really and Peyton really needs that second Super Bowl to solidify themselves as hey, we're at the upper echelon. Or else you're gonna be you you kind of be like the you know the Atlanta Braves. You know with Maddox, Glavin, you had great team. You went to multiple World Series, but you only won once. You know what I'm saying? Right, and, right, and, right. and the story will be like, man, Drew Brees should have found a way to win one more than one Super Bowl. Right. You know? So yeah, that's yeah, that's gonna yeah. be that's Something. gonna be the legacy unless unless we can get you know one more Super Bowl championship, which I think is a probably two year window. I think Drew has two more years to get it done, and after that, I think. You know, you have to pass it on. And really, to me, I think Taysom Hill, Drew, Drew, in my opinion, Drew has to put ego aside. You're a Hall of Famer and you have to let Taysom Hill play more at quarterback. I'm definitely not saying, a, a, you know, two quarterback system, but maybe he gets, you know, instead of the three snaps or four snaps, maybe he gets a, a, a 10 snaps a game because it just is another wrinkle. And I think a lot of people were saying I mean, oh, that little stretch where Taysom Hill was kind of running the football and doing things and making plays towards the end of that game, and then Drew got the sack and the forced fumble, then the turnovers. Like, hey, man, why didn't you stick with Taysom Hill? Mm-hmm. But it's it's hard for me to second guess Sean Payton because I, if you'd have kept Taysom Hill in there and he would have fumbled on the next play, oh, you should have put Drew Brees back. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah, you can't you can't Monday morning quarterback, but I just think it's probably time with the way the offense is running, you can't RPO with Drew at all. But when you come in there with a Taysom Hill, it's so much different 
from Drew Brees, what it does is it just gives the defense something else that they have to practice on all week long. So instead of just worrying about Kamara and Michael Thomas, now you got to study, okay, when Taysen comes in the game, we're going to change the whole defense and do this. And so you're just making the defense think more. So I think that's a good thing if from, from an offensive standpoint. Two things uh, real quick before uh, I let you get out of here. Uh, the Houston Texans, of course, got to talk about the hometown team. Uh, oh, yeah. A lot of people think, and I, I – went off about this a lot of people think that they exercise some demons by beating the buffalo bills but in my opinion i think that the the <laughs> texans clearly just did what they were supposed to do they are worthy the home team they could have went 11 and 5 had they taken a week 17 serious but they they rested everybody for the most part on in week 17 given the titans that win so both teams were 10 and 6 and you you held serve at home although you struggled against a first time playoff quarterback a rookie he's a rookie in the playoffs and and uh, josh allen and we saw why i mean he made some rookie playoff mistakes uh, yeah down the stretch right so what are your general thoughts on uh, the texans as they go to kansas city and oh well let's first and foremost talk about the performance last week what are your thoughts on the performance last week i mean i I think it's just deshaun watson i mean he's he's just the guy uh he has the superman cape on and he stirs the coffee for the Texans. If he's not out there, they don't make the playoffs. They don't win games. So, um, I mean, I, I love the kid. He he plays hard. He's humble. I mean, he does everything the right way. He's, right now, he's like the, the Derek Jeter of the NFL. He says all the right things, and he looks like the – quarterback he should be and i'm i mean i i I loved him in college and and i think he's doing a great job now and i mean that last play it kind of was reminiscent of steve mcnair you know we would always sit and and watch guys run full speed at steve from the blind side and we like oh steve gonna get him you you just knew that steve had eyes in the back of his head and he was gonna spin out and that's exactly what deshaun watson did he had two guys coming it could have easily been a sack force fumble season over and some type of way, he split both of them and just threw a a, a great pass, and, and they went on to win the football game. So it, it was almost like pinball action. Where he bounced off yeah. one and the other, and so. But right. do you? Th- how much do you think he's saving Bill O'Brien's job? I mean, because some of the things that Bill O'Brien did now. I will say this: I'm I I disagree with a lot of people on the fourth down call. I'm like, okay, go ahead and get the one yard. You kind of been moving the ball. You get one yard to win the game. That's all you you know. If you can't get one yard, and, and then you 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 know, if you don't deserve to move forward, if you can't get the one yard, well, they didn't get the one yard. Buffalo got the ball back. One of the worst offenses, by the way, in the league when it comes to scoring. I think they were 23rd in the league in scoring. So right. I didn't have a problem with him going on uh, on fourth down. But he he made a number of really questionable cuts. Like, what are you doing uh, well, throughout the to game? Me, to me, I'm a I'm a defensive guy, and and I'm thinking, yeah, you you get the one yard, you win the game right there. But like you said, you know. Merciless is playing great. J.J. Watt's back out there. Josh Allen has showed me nothing in the second half. I'm going to punt to the 10-yard line and see if he could, to, could oh, have So you wouldn't drive. even take the field goal? You would have did. The, you would have punted instead, not to even take the field goal? Yeah, because if you missed the field goal, it's already in, you know. Better field position, right. Right. And so at that point, I'm I'm going to play the odds that, that this kid can't go down the field and make a play. But – I mean, to, it's to me. You can look at it the other way defensively, you know, right there. I mean, Josh Allen just 
you know, he's he played like a, a rookie quarterback. He'll get better. He'll you know he'll learn from the mistakes. Yeah, he was. They were um, really as, bad. They made some really yeah. dumb decisions too. It's like nobody wanted to win that game for a while. Right. So. It was. I mean, the 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 last five minutes was horrible on both parts. It was horrible coaching, bad decisions, and 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 the Texans just kind of really they survived it because you know Leslie Frazier, um, you know former head coach, defensive coordinator for uh, Buffalo. I mean, he called some great plays. I mean, you get two people coming free, you would think one of them would have got the sack or at least made him throw an incomplete pass. Not only did he get out of it, but it, they threw a pass down to the five-yard line. Right. <laughs> so that was just, I mean, as a coach, it's like, hey, I could put you in position to win the game, but I can't win the game for you, you know? <laughs> so it's kind of one of those things. But, I mean, I, I think, first of all, with the Texans, you never apologize for winning, especially in the playoffs. So they got the win. They deserve the win. To me, they're in a great situation because – you know, although you're going up to Kansas City, you're a nine-point underdog. At the same time, it's the playoffs. You only have to beat them one time, one day. You don't have to be the best team. You just got to be the best team for three hours. And with Deshaun Watson, he can keep you in the ball game. you know. And so I, I like their chances. I think they got a fighting chance to keep the game close. Maybe there's a turnover, a big play here or there. Keep it within a touchdown or a score or two, and then you hope that you have some Deshaun Watson magic at the end of the game. And Hopkins is still unguardable. I mean, I, I mean that's that's one of those guys that you to me you got well, double team he him coming out the locker room. Well, so. he didn't have anything in the first half. He came back had six catches for ninety yards. Well, and every it, time he starts off slow in the first half, he does six catches for ninety nine <laughs> yards in the second half. So give <laughs> the only me, thing, only person gonna stop him is the coach not throwing him the ball. He should get twelve targets a game, just like Mike Thomas. If they don't, if they don't throw him the ball twelve times, shame on them, because he is that guy, you know. Right. So, give me your predictions. Uh, so, Texans, Kansas City. I gotta go with Kansas City. I mean, I, I, I just, I mean, Marty Schottenheimer was one of my favorite coaches, and Andy Reid is too. Neither one of them ever won a Super Bowl, and so I just think Andy Reid. This has got to be the year. Uh, you know, Brady's not there, so you don't have to worry about that. Uh, of course, you got the Ravens, which would be a, a a huge game next week if they can get to that. But I mean, I'm just really hoping that the Chiefs can get it done this year. In uh, Baltimore, Tennessee, you know that's almost like a pick'em game because well, and see, this is what I said. This is a bad matchup for Baltimore because they do really Tennessee does what Baltimore does it, with, right. with without the athleticism at the quarterback position. They run the ball, control the clock. I mean, really, I mean, I'm telling you, man, this is, I mean, and, and Henry, is there a hotter play in the NFL than Derrick Henry? He's had, what, 300 and, uh, what, 380 yards or something crazy like that in the last uh, two weeks? So yeah, this guy and, is, and, is incredible, and, man. And, and he's a big guy. They're totally committed to the run, and they make, and they have some huge receivers that make just enough plays in the passing game, and, and they play good defense. So to me – I'm a I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that the that as much as I'm like Lamar Jackson, is still he's a young guy, and so I'm a I'm gonna go with Henry in the running game in the defense on the road, and I think this is a a, a, a when it's a when it's gonna be a knock 'em sock 'em old AFC Central football game where it's gonna be physical running the football, probably not a lot of turnovers, probably not a lot of possessions. 
you know, it can really be a low scoring 13 to 10 game where one mistake here or there yeah. can actually cost you the football. Yeah. Game. One turnover. So, yeah. Yeah. Yep. I, I agree. Cause it, like I said, if you, if you cut that game down by having these five and six minute possessions, you know, back to back, all of a sudden this game looks a whole lot different and a miscue really is magnified in that situation. And, and uh, let's, let's switch over to the NFC real quick. Seattle at green Bay, who you like there? You know, I'm going to take Seattle. I think Seattle uh, is still the better team than Green Bay. I, I'm not – I'm just not sold on Green Bay. I thought the Saints would have had a good matchup going up there taking on Green Bay. And, and I think Seattle with Beast Mode and, and with the quarterback, former MVP, I, I think I think they have enough to get it done. And I, and I think Pete Carroll is a playoff coach. You know, I think he'll – Try that onside kick, that fake punt. You know, he he has that little moxie about himself in order to do it. And I think with Green Bay, you still have a rookie coach. So he may, you know, sometimes the pressure is not just shows up on the players. It shows up on the coaches, too. So it'll be interesting to see how he navigates his first playoff game as a head coach. Well, see, I kind of look at these things when you look at the which team can run the ball better is the team that I, that I tend to, to, to lean towards. I, as much as I like a wide open passing game, and, you know, when it gets to be playoff time, January and, and when it gets cold, December, January, you start to pick the teams that can run the ball. I I'm concerned that that Seattle will not be able to really run the ball. Beast Mode, again, he's, he's come back, but he's not Chris Carson at this point. Now, he had a couple big plays for them, uh, but, again, it, it was the, the other running back, Homer, that got most of the work. And, and I think Aaron Jones, conversely, for Green Bay, if they lean more on him and actually pound it with him, I think they can run on Seattle. I want Seattle to win, and I think that they can win because Russell Wilson is so special. But man, when you look at that from that and that through that lens, I think Aaron Jones and Green Bay can run the ball a little bit better. I think I'll make my pick next episode. But yeah, that that's sort of where I am on that. And finally, the Vikings travel to San Francisco. Is that I mean, can Kirk Cousins find uh, lightning in the bottle twice? Nah, Kirk, Kirk Cousin is a journeyman quarterback. He shouldn't be a starter in the NFL. Guy's horrible. Nah, let me stop. He, I mean, realistically, <laughs> I mean, he's he's not a Super Bowl champion quarterback. I mean, he's good guy, works hard, you know, has had a decent career. But I just don't think, you know, he can make the throws that they – in order for, for Minnesota to get to that Super Bowl level, they, they have Cook, they have Thielen, you have Diggs, you know, I mean, you have the tight end. I mean, they actually ran the football a lot better than I thought they would, and a lot of it was with 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 uh, Devin Cook. I mean, he's just that guy. I mean, he's he's yeah, man, he's nice, really. Yeah, nice. I mean, he's Delvin he's Cook. Ex- Delvin Cook. Yeah, he's explosive. I mean, I had him on my fantasy football team as a rookie, so I knew coming out of college he would be that guy, and he got hurt. And now he's. I mean, he looks like he's a hundred percent back. So he gives them a chance to stay in the football game. But I think. I think San Francisco, if they stop the run with their front four, I don't think that the quarterback can do enough to to beat San Francisco. Right. I just right. I just don't see it. So well, we're gonna have you back before the uh, championship game. We're gonna try to anyway. Have you uh, back in the rotation, and we we're gonna get in the studio as well. So, but I certainly appreciate your take on the Saints. I know they, this is cathartic for you. You get to get some of these things off of your chest just by oh, yeah. by, by yeah. talking through. This is your therapy. You get to. Thought, talk through the Saints' defeat. So you know that. Well, that I'm, I'm I'm being patient. I I feel like 
I feel like bigger things are coming for. I even I really after losing last year, I was like, yeah, that was a good loss because we're gonna go to Miami. It'll be ten years later. We're going two thousand nine, two thousand nineteen in the same stadium. We won the first Super Bowl. It, it's all coming clear, as, you know. But <laughs> hey, it, it it didn't work out. That light in the tunnel was a train. So <laughs> we got, we had to get it going one more year. <laughs> hey, and they finally, how can people get to uh, on social media if they want to reach out to you? Oh, I'm I'm real simple on Facebook and Instagram is erob50. Erob50. Hey man, E-R-O-B-5-0. thank you. Yep. Uh, well, thank you so much. I certainly appreciate it. And again, hey man, this is great to talk to you and I look forward to talking to you a whole lot more. All right, have a good one. Want to thank our guy Eddie Robinson for joining us. Of course, he's a part of the special teams unit, and I promise you, in 2020, we will effort to have him on more when he's not uh, biking across country with the MS-150 or or doing something on his bike or traveling back and forth all over the world to uh, watch sporting events or watching the what was it Formula One racing on television. But we'll work him in a lot more great conversation about the Saints. But you've been waiting for this moment because now it's time for the Lamont Award. I don't want to wish you no bad luck, but I hope your ship sinks with no lifeboats and no life preservers and a school of piranhas surrounding you, you big dummy. The Lamont Award goes to the person, team, entity, organization, or group of people who, in the world of sports, is this podcast big dummy (laughs) because hey there's a lot of stupidity going on in and around the world of sports and this time we are honoring and and you guys can help me figure this one out i think we have a situation where we have two big dummies in one i think (laughs) and we're talking about donald trump's comrades over in russia seems as though the world juniors 2020 tournament uh, got some fans in russia confused thinking that russia had won the gold medal now here is what happened now you know when you talk about the television abroad this is a term we frequently hear now i've never gone to russia so i don't know and i've never gone to countries who are of china or some of these other countries where they have state-run television well here's what happened state-run television on one of their two russian state channels showed russia versus canada at the same time a live gold medal game was broadcast on channel one that's it i don't know (laughs) i mean that's what it is channel one and match tv the other state-run television channel showed a repeat of the 2011 championship match when the russians upset the canadians to win the goal five to three well this time out they lost four to three and i guess a lot of people were fooled uh, and and this is why if you want to give state-run television the big dummy award if you want to give them a lamont award you can because not only did they show them at the same time apparently they showed the tape delayed game on the sports channel now the sports channel had been running live games early in this tournament but for this one, they used a they ran a tape delay game during the same exact time. Now the scores to defend them slightly, the score in 2011 was five to three. In 2020, it was four to three. But just the the team that won was reversed, so a lot of people were fooled. So I think there were a lot of big dummies who sat there and watched a game that was nine years old and didn't know the difference. 
<laughs> how do you how do you do that? Do you not know the players? The technology looked the same. Well, they HD. Well, may I? Well, let me think about that. Maybe I guess it wasn't HD. <laughs> maybe it was in black and white. And maybe I don't know. And maybe they don't know what to believe. Maybe they just said, "Well, hey, this is what the government says happened." I know I saw this game before, but if they say it's happening now, we're gonna go with that. I don't know. It's authoritative, authoritarian uh, regime over there. So I don't know what what they're doing over there. And by the way, I know they're listening because hey, listen everything now. They've been invited to hack our elections, and I'm sure right now they're listening, and they will post something on Twitter designed to divide us as a people. So, but that, that so so two big dummies. Let's do this. Who is the biggest of the big dummies? Is it Russian state television for running both games at the same time and running the repeat on the sports channel, or is it all the people who watch a whole damn hockey game and did not realize that it was nine years old? I don't know, man. It's a toss-up. You guys can help me figure it out. But either way, all of them are big dummy. You big dummy. <laughs> I don't know who. I guess a bunch of people deserve the big dummy award for that. So I don't know. You guys decide amongst yourselves. But just like an award show, they are plenty of awards to give out. And like if you see one of those award shows where the entire cast and crew come up and get an award, that's who got the Lamont Award uh, this time out. Who they, those are all big dummies. But nonetheless, it's time to put a big bow on the first show of 2020. But before I let go, before I let go, before I let go, hey, want to thank you guys for tuning in for another year as we keep rolling on. Want to remind you to go to the WadesWordProductions.com website and subscribe to the email letter. In addition to that, I want you to call 832-941-6614 with your sports takes. And, of course, hit me up on social media at Wade's Word and on the Sports Talk with Devin Wade page and group on Facebook. Both of those, the group is the most important, though. Join the group on Facebook. want to thank uh, our guy, Eddie Robinson. want to thank Elwin Henderson for checking in. want to invite you guys to call. Please call. Uh, want to thank Katie G K-A-T-I-G we're going to hear the entire track uh, after uh, I wrap up here and you can hear her and jam her go to her YouTube channel Katie G and uh, check her out and uh, we want to uh, thank her and our sponsor my man uh, Kofi Bankers for CoBank Homes I uh, want to remind you guys coming out real soon another edition of the podcast continue to like share tell friends and uh, participate in any and every way that you can and and as always, have a great day. And I wish I had the power to pay it back for all the hurt and pain you caused, which led to my heart attack.
much of me All it took was a few words for you to get to me It's true the devil can appear to be a perfect guy It was you that made me fall in love and then go blind When you walked away my world turned upside down and black Suicidal thoughts of taking my own life began It's true the devil can appear to be a perfect guy Solely with